Welcome to People Don't Forget, a nostalgia cast that takes you on a different journey down memory lane. Every episode will chronicle a different topic during a different calendar year, and this one is going to be very simple. We're going to talk about what we were watching on TV in 2003. This topic is very nostalgic for me because my family and I were avid TV watchers. But before I delve into the marvels of reality TV, I need to introduce my guests. They are podcast legends. I am both honored and humbled to be in their presence tonight. If you are listening to this, I highly doubt that I need to explain who they are. Uh, this podcast and many more likely wouldn't exist without them paving the way. So they are the Trailblazers, not from Portland. Uh, but without further ado, let's welcome in Neil and Matt from Triviality. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedules to indulge me. Please introduce yourselves and plug your podcast, and I'll start with Neil. Hey, uh, thanks for having me here, Scott. Um, and uh, we might not be the Portland Trailblazers, but we rolled up in a Chevy Trailblazer to be here today. So thank you for, for having us. Uh, for all the listeners, as you said, uh, who maybe aren't familiar with our show, uh, we are, are hosts of Triviality. Uh, we're a weekly pub trivia style game show podcast. And if you'd like to hear Scott uh, kind of you know put us through our paces uh, hosting a game, you can check out episode 169 if, that, if you want to start there. So Look at Neil prepared. Seriously, I, like I, I wasn't even expecting that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, no, I, I have all my notes here. There's uh, several pages of uh, not even about this this topic today, the 2003 television, but uh, just about a lot of different things. Well, I know Neil, it's, he's just written down all the James Bonds over and over <laughs> and over to keep his keep his brain tight there. So uh, so I'm Matt. I'm also a host of Triviality. Um, I guess if I was a trailblazer, I'd probably be Mellow. I think that's who I would choose. Probably Neil could be Dame because he's kind of the leader of the group or the face of the franchise. And I always um, come in right at the last second and make the game winning shot. Oh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, similar thing, you know, we started the podcast a couple of years ago, and uh, really, there wasn't that much podcast in the trivia field at the time. And now there's a million. So we like to think that we got in at the right time, because if you're a couple years later, who knows where we'd be, but good stuff. Triviality podcast. Yes, highly recommended, especially uh, the episode that Neil was referring to. Um, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I'm actually working on a, a game for you guys. Uh, so hopefully I can come on and host again. And, uh, you know, this time I won't ask a question about Joan of Arcadia, but we will talk about that in a little while. So we uh, we can get into that here. But before we do that, I like to uh, get a better sense of, you know, what everyone was doing in 2003. So, uh, Matt, I'll start with you on this one. You know, where were you living? What were you watching? You know, what was Matt's life like in 2003? Uh, so I was a junior in high school and I was very, very much into wrestling at the time. Uh, I, I think that that was like the tail end of when I was like huge watching all the pay-per-views and, and watching weekly raw and SmackDown pretty much religiously, uh, you know, being 17 loser white guy, that's kind of what we did. Uh, put on our Austin 316 shirts and kind of do a little bit of that. Uh, besides that, I did watch, I watched, a lot of uh, primetime dramas, uh, the OC, I think Boston legal, maybe it was around that time, something, maybe house. I think that's around that era. So that's what I remember. Cause you know, I had to study occasionally to keep up my C plus average. So that's pretty much what I was doing in 2003. I listen, I, it's very similar to what I was doing. So no judgments <laughs> here. Uh, Neil, what about yourself? Um, were you wearing your Austin 316 shirts and watching Boston legal? No, you know, I, I actually, uh, I wasn't, 
as into wrestling uh, as I got later, uh, I guess in the the late 2000s, actually wait, late 2000s, like it's already 2021, oh, man, time's going by fast. No, I, I didn't really uh, catch up with wrestling till about like 2018, maybe 2019. I mean, I knew what was going on in 2003, but I was actually finishing my senior year of high school at the beginning of 2003. Uh, and um, I didn't watch like a ton of TV because I was uh, performing like in musicals and plays and uh, in band concerts, things like that, jazz concerts. So I was busy at school. I was usually there till like 8 p.m. every day. So I either would tape stuff and watch it, or I got DVDs of, of uh, probably like a year old television series. Um, and then in the summer, I was working at Blockbuster, which is like one of the best jobs ever. Um, so I got a chance to talk about uh, movies and TV shows because back then you had to go to the to the Blockbuster and, and get the first disc of like seven discs of a television show. And then when the people came back and said, I need to see episode five, why isn't the disc here? And it's like, well, someone took it before you. And then they get really angry and yell at you and call you names. but. But yeah, that, that was what I was doing in 2003. I was getting ready to, to go to college and um, yeah, just, uh, you know, watching a lot of TV shows on DVD, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, some embarrassing, some not. So I had completely forgotten that that's how you used to have to run. And, and same thing when Netflix first started, they would mail you the first disc and then you have to mail it back and wait for this too. Oh, it's terrible. We can't, I mean, I, I know WandaVision just came out and people are like, I have to wait a week for this. It's like, you'd have to wait months sometimes to get the next disc the way it used to be. Yeah. There's a no. great... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, no, no, go ahead. I don't know. Go, go for it. No, I was going to say there's a great uh, TikTok recently. It was like an older guy and he was talking to his kid and he was like, when I was younger, you would go to the video store and you had to rent something. If it wasn't there, you didn't get to watch it. And the kid's like, that's not fair. He's like 10 years old because um, they don't understand. And, um, you know, at Blockbuster, we had people who would either they would get angry or they'd be the type of people, which I, I don't understand. I feel like it's uh you know, ruining the story, but they wouldn't get the second disc. And then they would, oh, I just, I'll just watch the third one. And they would go completely out of order if it was a serialized oh. show. And it just, I was like, how could you do that? That's, you know, blasphemy, but. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't recommend that. It's, it's funny. I was talking to my girlfriend just yesterday about the, the old Netflix delivery. And I, I remember I got really into the show Prison Break. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I was like, watch, I was having the DVDs delivered to me. But what happened was I was living with my parents and my brother at the time. You could only get like four DVDs at once. And so everyone got one, it's kind of the family rule. So I could only get one DVD each time and it only had four episodes on it. So I whizzed through those in four hours and then I'd have to wait, you know, maybe a week before my mom watched whatever she got or two weeks for my dad to watch his. And before we got, did the next batch. And so I eventually got to the point where I started spoiling like everything for them that they wanted to watch ahead of time <laughs> so that they didn't need to get the DVD so that I could get a full uh, season of a show at once. <laughs> I love when you, you'd get the DVD and it was just that uh, that moment of seeing the disc have a scratch on it. And you're like, now I know I have to like send this back and wait another yeah. 45 days before they mm. send the replacement. It was so depressing. Um, but sometimes you'd have the fun moment of, um, of the back cover because I feel like sometimes they had typos and then that would always be a fun moment when they completely <laughs> butchered um, the description on the back and so that'd be a fun, fun thing. Yeah, no, that was cool. The scratches were the worst, especially because for some reason, all of the shows that I got like delivered to me just had epic cliffhangers. And so to know, <laughs> I, I have to know what's happening and then it shows up with a scratch and I don't know what's going on with that hatch and lost. And it's like, now I have to wait longer to figure out what's in the hatch. Like, that's brutal. 
you get to the fifth number of the hatch and then that's when it starts skipping and you're like ah oh, yeah exactly. hurley speak up a little faster let's go <laughs> yeah no that was brutal um but Unfortunately, we won't talk about loss because uh, we're a year off uh, from that one here, but we will get into some shows from 2003. For me, I was 13, 14, which was perfect because I feel like I was the exact demographic for some of the coolest shows that were coming out. So if I wasn't playing sports or watching wrestling, I was definitely glued to the TV, just trying to see how my favorite pops were going to play out. So um, now we'll get started. Uh, over to the rules guy who, oh, uh, nope. Sorry, wrong podcast. Uh, we have no <laughs> rules on this one. I'm actually going to abandon the typical format that I usually use. And honestly, guys, I just want to free for all it and name some shows and talk about them. Yeah, that sounds good with me. Um, Matt, I think we just need to rip off the band-aid right away and talk about the OC. Um, <laughs> because there's no point in waiting on it. Uh, fun fact, actually, the OC debuted on August 5th, 2003 which just so happened to be on my 14th birthday. So oh, that's a you. Yeah. It's a pretty cool thing. That I remember, uh, you know, like millions of others, I remember watching the pilot um, and it was just a great birthday present for me because it was probably again, at being like 14, it was probably the first, like, I guess how people felt about maybe Beverly Hills, I don't or Dawson's Creek in the nineties. This was like my first, like, this is my show. Like I'm in high school. The characters are in high school. Like I can relate to them. Each episode has like something for me. It's something I can go to school the next day and talk to my friends about. And and it I felt like my generation's Beverly Hills 90210. And and so it was just like a great, I felt like it was made for me because it came out on my birthday. But Matt, I'll give you a few minutes uh momentarily. So just sit tight. Um, Neil, did you watch the OC? Did you were you into it at the time? Did you get into it after? What's kind of your your thoughts on just the show in general? Uh, you know, I've never actually seen the OC. I've never seen one episode. Uh, the only reference point I have, I have two reference points for the OC. The first one is uh, the image and heat sketch on SNL. I saw the, <laughs> yeah. the sketch and then I saw the the original scene. So I guess that's the one thing I did see of the show is I kind of compared the sketch and the real thing. And then, um, you know, I Colleen, my girlfriend, is a huge Gilmore Girls fan. And um, we weren't dating at the time uh, because I was 18. But um, I do remember the Gilmore Girls being on, and I know it was a big deal that Adam Brody, who played Dave Rogalski, uh, his character went to, quote unquote, California, and he left the show to never come back. And I knew that was because he went to the OC. Um, so that's really, those are my two reference points. So I've never seen the show. I know the actors in it, but um, I know Matt is a, a super fan, and I was probably at home watching Joe Millionaire or something. <laughs> Fair. Uh, you made a bad choice. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that there. Um, no, telling us they made Joe Millionaire seem at the beginning. It uh, didn't quite Joe, work Joe out. Millionaire is a show I wanted to bring up later. So way to spoil that. You know, that was <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> not, um, not as much yeah, as the that, Joe Schmo show, which I yeah, also. Oh yeah, it. that was good too. Was that was that around? Yeah, I guess that was 2003. Been. I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would have been the right uh, time frame. But yeah, uh, as Neil said it, Matt, you're an OC super fan. So you know, tell me about how you got into the show and, and what kind of kept you watching favorite characters, favorite storylines, not necessarily just season one, sure. which was 2003, but just in general. Yeah, I think, and I think one of the things that's kind of sad is the way that the show has been handled since it's been off the air is it's kind of disappeared. Uh, it wasn't really given second life on any of, of reruns and it really isn't on any streaming surfaces. I think it got lost in Hulu for a little bit. Uh, never made its way to Netflix. So it didn't really have that second life with younger people that I think even like Dawson's Creek has like right now they're, you know, like uh, Gen Z's and 
and people even younger than that that are watching Dawson's Creek because it's available, it's on Netflix, and they're kind of getting that. So it's getting a second life where people know those memes and that kind of thing. But you don't really see that from the OC. Uh, and I think part of that is because it just kind of disappeared after it was gone. And then and the it it was just came out like on fire. Like it was the show. And by season three, people were like, is this thing still on? <laughs> you think and it's only like, you know, 24 episodes later and people are kind of already tired of it. And uh, part of that was uh, the Oliver storyline, which did not go over well with most people. Um, anyone who watched the show knows what I'm talking about there. Um, but I, I guess for me, Seth Cohen was really a character that I identified as a whiny emo kid at the time. That was, uh, it was, it, he was the only character like that on television. Um, at the time, pretty much every, every main character on the show was your typical, was basically a, you know, lacrosse playing kind of, you know, jock guy um, outside of like your freaks and geeks and stuff so it was kind of cool to see somebody who I felt represented like what what I was into you know he had uh, modest mouse and bright eyes posters on his walls and you know wore pumas and adidas zip ups and stuff like that so it was and then the, the musical guests were just like I would you never think that you would see Rooney or like I said, Modest Mouse, I think was they performed on there, you know, at the local club in, in the OC, which would definitely happen. Uh, you get the biggest band in the world to play at your local bar, which is fun. Uh, so and, and then, you know, the the characters, the, you know, Peter Gallagher, Sandy Cohen is just like an iconic character. So there's just so much to it that I just really identified with and just thought that like, you know, and one day I'm going to move to L.A. No, that's not true, but it, <laughs> I did eventually move out here. So. Um, and then, of course, as I'm driving down the 101, I play Phantom Planets, California, uh, because I'm a cliche and it, it really was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm obviously very biased, uh, but that's got to be one of the best TV theme songs of all time. And, and that's it's one of those things where you can not watch the show and, and you immediately recognize that that's the theme song for the OC. I mean, Phantom Planet yeah, was I, not very well known you know, before that show dropped and and that show did such a service to them and, and just, I feel like pop culture in general with that theme yeah. song and a theme song that like I did like sums up the show so well, but wasn't written for the show. Like you don't get that a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think of that one, I think of the uh, scrubs, which had the Superman song mm -hmm. or whatever, like sh things like that. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it was really, I mean, when you hear the, in the piano intro, like, you know exactly what it is. It's, it's a pretty iconic opening. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I think you hit the nail on the head. Like one of the reasons that I think it resonated with people so well, it was just the relatability of Seth. You know, not everyone is is magazine pretty and not everyone's a, a prom queen and, you know, not everyone fits in in high school. And in fact, most people don't. And so to have a character that was finally like that was our character and we went on that journey with him, you know, and we rejoiced when he you know, got on the on the cart and professed his love for summer. And we were sad when he sailed away for the summer. And, and you know, I, I feel like he took us on that journey with him. It wasn't just a TV character. It was almost like a friend that you hung yeah. out with once a week. Yeah. And then even the side characters, you know, like Luke starts as the villain, but then has like a whole redemptive arc where he becomes like his secret best friend and he has gay dads. And it's like, it's like there's so much stuff that happens in the show. I really like, it, like Zach. In season two, I, I thought he was a great side character. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Chris Pratt making, I think it's one of the first times he's really 
like came out where people knew who he was, but he's in the last season of it. So they kind of launched a lot of careers too. And, you know, like welcome to the OC bitch is probably for pilots, like one of the most iconic lines and moments in like pilot history, I would think. Yeah. It, 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 it's one of those, it gave us so much like Chris Mika became a real mm-hmm. thing, you know, based on that show and just kind of a lot of the other pop culture references that like, he, he, like people, Again, Neil didn't even watch the show, but, you know, we talk about the theme song, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you know the theme song, and I'm sure you've heard Welcome to the OC, bitch, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Chris Mika, so it's, you know, you didn't have to watch the show to even be immersed in it. Uh, watching it was just a bonus because, you know, you wanted to see how many times Ryan was going to wear a wife beater each episode and, you know, and, and punch a guy out and have a, a, you know, change of heart halfway through an episode. So it was definitely, you know, kept all of us on the on the edge of our seats and constantly kept us on mm-hmm. our toes. I mean, you know, obvious spoiler alert if you're listening to this episode, whether you've seen it or not, but you know, when Marissa dies at the end of season three, it's like mm-hmm. that's, that's so emotional. I mean, that's such such a journey with this character from her alcoholism and everything with her dad and her parents and, you know, for her to finally seem like maybe things were going to go on the right track and her and Ryan were going to get back together and then this happens and you know it throws everything for a whirlwind and I remember watching that episode you know because the finales were you know the end of May typically and and just thinking to myself like my summer's ruined now because I have this like heavy heart because Marissa Cooper died and I don't know what this means for Ryan and and I don't know like what's going on and when it can evoke those kind of emotions with you you know, that I think that's the mark of of a true show and a true you know drama that that stays true to itself. So yeah, like I said, very very emotionally invested in it. Really enjoyed Kevin Sorbo who came in for a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's fun fun to see Hercules back back in the limelight. Although maybe not because lately he's been a bit strange on Twitter from what I've heard. <laughs> haven't been paying attention. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess, you know, we could wrap it up our, our OC discussion because we could talk about it all day. But I think I think just how how funny it was, was really kind of like really kind of the capper on it. it was like it was just a genuinely funny show. And the chemistry between, you know, the main four actors is what really kind of carried the show. Agreed. And, and, and that was rare too, I, I think too, with uh, some of those shows, you always, you always, you know, would hear about drama and things like that backstage between the castmates and never really heard about that with, with the, the core four as Taylor Townsend would refer to them as. It's funny. Exactly. Um, the creator of the show, Josh Schwartz, when I was um, just getting into college, I remember I read about him, you know, creating the OC and I think he was maybe 27, something like that. And I was like, I, my goal is to be like Josh Schwartz and create a show before I'm 30. It didn't happen, but uh, it doesn't happen for a lot of people at that age. And obviously he went on to do many other shows, one of them, which I love, which I, I used to watch Chuck a lot, uh, which came on obviously after the OC, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's funny. You guys mentioned sort of the zeitgeist and how it was uh, fitting in there because all I knew about the show uh, was Adam Brody, I think was a film student, right? He talked about movies all the time. And um, that Ben McKenzie, I think Matt brought it up. I just remember seeing previews all the time that like he would get in a situation where he should have kept his temper at bay and then he'd punch someone. That's all I knew. So that's basically the OC, right? Yeah, every episode. Yeah, pretty much when he punched out the uh, the new guidance counselor at the beginning of season three, uh, that's when I knew he had gone too far. Now, now he's hitting grownups. This is, this is not good. And he's chasing Batman or he was chasing Batman. This is true. Uh, after a brief stop in Southland. 
Yeah, Southland was actually really good. Uh, I know it was way after 2003, but the the first couple seasons of Southland were really good, and then it got banished to USA or one of the cable networks, and no one talked about it again. But it was actually really good. I would recommend that. Me too. He was he was great on that. All right, fair enough. Uh, moving on, I'm a bit disappointed about the next one I want to bring up because I actually heard your opinions about it during your latest episode uh, the other day. Uh, because there was a question about it. Uh, about a month after the phenomenon known as the OC debuted, uh, the WB, yes, it was still the WB back then, uh, countered with One Tree Hill, which uh, followed the same formula, good-looking high school kids with drama. Personally, I immediately fell in love with the show as well, and to this day, it remains one of my all-time favorites. Um, I say I'm disappointed because on uh, the episode the other day, uh, I heard Matt say that uh, he, it was something that he did not get into. So I wanted to ask, is there a specific reason for that? Was it OC loyalty? Did you just not have enough room for more than one team drama at the time? Or did yeah, it just kind I, of elude you? I think it's when you're a shark, you're a shark. How it goes. And I I, <laughs> I was team OC, I guess. I know I have no idea. Um, I'm trying to think of if there was some kind of barrier to entry there. I wasn't really big on the CW slash WB shows. I didn't watch Smallville. I didn't watch uh, Roswell. I didn't watch anything like that, really. And I think the only reason I got on the OC was there was a girl that I was super into who was also super into the OC. So we'd have OC watch parties at my, uh, I was going to say apartment, <laughs> not in high school, <laughs> uh, in my basement. Uh, and that girl and, was you know, Sophia Bush? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Whoa, plot twist. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work out, and that's okay. She lives in Australia now, so good day, mate. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I got into that one. I just never really, really picked up on all. I know, I know crazy stuff happened. Like was alluded to on our podcast was there's so many crazy, crazy storylines that um, I, I knew about, but I just, I never really watched the show. Yeah, it's funny because I mean, it, this was, it was created to, to rival the OC. And for a while, I remember being someone that watched both of them and, it, you know, it really it sort of turned into this um, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, Yankees or Red Sox kind of rivalry, um, you know, like at school with, with kids, it was like you were either OC or you were One Tree Hill and you weren't allowed to watch both. And so I had to kind of secretly enjoy both of them and, and not, you know, pledge any sort of allegiance. Um, it's funny because Chad Michael Murray auditioned to play Ryan Atwood in the OC, didn't get the role, lost it to Ben McKenzie, and then got the role of Lucas Scott on One Tree Hill, which could not be more opposite of a role. Lucas was more of a Seth character uh, on, on One Tree Hill, but, uh, you know, both of those shows just really took off into the stratosphere. And, I mean, One Tree Hill obviously ended up lasting nine seasons, and but that's a, that's a network thing because all, all the shows, oh all the shows on the Supernatural has like 18 seasons. It's, the CW, it's still on, isn't don't, it? They don't cancel their shows, so that's kind of what happened there. But, you know, both of them turned into definitely a, a phenomenon. I think that, the OC just had, it was more pop culture laden. So it had more of the music crossover. I mean, once you hit eventually like had Pete Wentz as a character on it and like Fall Out Boy was on all the time. And like the later seasons. I have seen that, that one clip of Pete Wentz and that was it. Was he, that's was that's the extent. <laughs> no, he, he like, what is he? He's, he like says his band sucks and then like laughs and then walks away. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> he, he, dates, uh, he dates Hillary Burton's character briefly in, in season three on the show there before they had their famous school shooting episode, which kind of reset Ooh. the series and everything. Um, but yeah, I you know, figured I'd bring it up because they were kind of rival shows and probably the two new hottest 
you know, sensations in 2003. Neil, any any thoughts on One Tree Hill, the actors in it, anything like that? Well, I'll give you I, a again, few. being a Gilmore Girls you know, fan, I'm sure Chad Michael Murray as well. Yeah, Chad Michael Murray. I mean, his character, you know, he, he was kind of a dick on Gilmore Girls. Uh, I mean, I, I should say a lot of Rory's potential suitors uh, weren't the greatest. I, I love Jared Padalecki because I was a big Supernatural fan. So I like Dean, even though I know we're talking about Gilmore Girls. And I, I like Dean, who was not, uh, you know, perfect for Rory. But um, speaking of One Tree Hill, I didn't see One Tree Hill. I've actually not seen it. But the reason I knew the answer to the question on our podcast was the uh, theme song was by one of my favorite artists, uh, Gavin DeGraw. And um, in 2003, when I was getting ready to go to college or right when I first started going to college, I used to uh, listen to his album, Chariot. It was a double album. It was uh, a studio album and then an acoustic uh, sort of stripped down piano guitar version of the album. And I remember I used to listen to that almost every day walking to class. So uh, I feel like you know, I was exposed to a little bit of One Tree Hill, but uh, not enough, you know, just through that song. Um, and a fun fact, I think I've seen more Hillary Burton, Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies than probably anything of One Tree Hill, which is pretty embarrassing, but. Probably more than anyone should, but you know what, that's yeah. fine. Well, Neil, you were doing research on those uh, Lifetime Christmas movies. Weren't you thinking of writing one at some point in time? Wasn't that a thing you yeah, were talking Yeah, yeah, so, and a lot of them are still in, uh, in development and, and pitching and whatnot. But yeah, basically I, uh, I spent two weeks and I watched, I think like 47 uh, Christmas movies from Hallmark and Lifetime. And I charted out a formula that all of them use on, you know, when the, the love interest uh, goes away, when there's a cheating person, whatever, it, whatever it may be. And I charted everything out into a formula so that I could pitch uh, five to 10 ideas of my own and, and make sure that they fit that formula. So um, pretty depressing when you learn um, how much of a formula those movies specifically, but many movies are, but it was very helpful. So, All right. And that's all the time we will spend on One Tree Hill. If you'd like to hear more about it, I will start another podcast uh, called The Only One Left in Tree Hill, and I will uh, talk about the show. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, One Tree Hill was essentially just created to replace Dawson's Creek, which actually uh, ended in 2003 and had their series finale, which is great because it means we can talk about it because it fits into our criteria. So um, did either of you, you know, watch any Dawson's Creek? I obviously, I got into it after I, I fell into the, the, the DVD box set way, and that's how I kind of got into it. But do any of you have any recollection of following along or watching Dawson's Creek? I don't personally. I actually was a fan of the writer, Kevin Williamson. Um, sure. He wrote Scream and uh, a lot of other great screenplays. And so uh, I was actually, I've seen a few episodes of Dawson's Creek uh, just because of his reputation. And um, I know, I think, what did it start in like the late 90s, right? Yeah, 97, 98. Yeah. So I would have been, yeah, just graduating grammar school. So um, I, I know it was kind of a big deal. I mean, some kids would talk about it. And obviously there's the, uh, the Dawson crying meme um, that I guess is maybe bigger now, but people used to talk about it. But yeah, I, I wasn't into that one. I feel bad. I'm like on the show and I haven't seen the first three that you're talking about. I did watch a lot of TV in 2003, but just not these ones. But um, I was familiar with it, but I was more of a fan of Kevin Williamson. Yeah, and I've watched enough, but not enough to really have a have an opinion on a Pacey versus whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't know as much. I do know. I love, I love Josh Jackson. I think fantastic. He's the guy in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other guy. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a mighty duck, as a kid. And then I think right after the show, he started doing fringe and I loved fringe. That was kind of 
uh, one of the shows that I got into around 2005 or whenever that started coming out. Um, so I, I was familiar with a lot of the names and faces from the show, but again, CW show or WB show just yeah. wasn't, wasn't on my radar. So I missed out on that one. So Katie Holmes wasn't one of your uh, late nineties crushes then. I think, I think if I had known about her, she would be, but <laughs> so she was, she was not sadly. All right, fair I mean, enough. I know Matt's talking about the WB. I actually was, um, I did watch a, a couple WB shows, uh, and one of them was Smallville. I was a big Smallville fan, actually. I know Matt said he didn't watch Smallville, but um, I used to watch every episode of Smallville. One of my friends, we sort of had a friendly rivalry, not really a rivalry, but he was a huge, huge, huge Superman fan, and I'm a big Batman fan. And so we used to, you know, sit down together either with his parents or we had a couple other friends over. And we'd watch Smallville every week. And then when Supernatural came out, we would watch that right after it. Uh, but I, I loved, you know, Smallville at the time. Um, I thought it was pretty cool that there was a kid in high school uh, who had Superman's powers. And there was, you know, it's just like a comic book, you know, movie of the week, basically. And uh, and I used to enjoy it quite a bit. I didn't really like the finale, but I, I did enjoy the show. Yeah, I didn't watch Smallville much, but I, I definitely... You know, what I have seen, I, I enjoyed later on as I watched it. I, I think, like you mentioned, I think it was a perfect premise for a show, right? A high school kid with superpowers. I mean, pretty easy to get into. Uh, most people can can get behind something like that. I thought I had a good cast. You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people probably thought that Tom Welling was going to really kind of shoot in a superstardom coming yeah. off of that show. And obviously, we know that didn't happen. But I thought Allison Mack was great on that show. I, I thought that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lex Luthor. Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, yeah. Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah. I thought he was great the on Michael there. Yeah. You know, and um, Erica Durant was pretty good on there. And I, I started watching it actually because the character that played Zach on the OC had an arc on Smallville. He played uh, Julian Luther. And I really liked the actor, uh, Michael Cassidy. And so I started watching Smallville then, which I think was like midway through probably. But uh, I, I always enjoyed it. Not something I was into in 2003, but definitely something I, I have an appreciation for. Yeah, I think it was it's crazy fun. that, well, now, you know, half of the things on television are superhero or comic book related. But at the time, there was there was nothing like you had yeah. you had the Flash and that uh, the Dean Cain Superman show. The, the Lord Clark 90s. show, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you get nothing until basically around this time, Smallville, which leads into, you know, the Arrowverse and all of a sudden and then all the Marvel stuff. So now it's like all over. But at the time. It was like, oh, there's a Superman TV show. That's crazy. And, you know, people watched it. It was very popular from what I remember. And, and I think it's another one, too, that really cool theme song. Re really oh, cool. Yeah. Really and, cool I mean, theme song. That, that, that was a cool one. And um, one of the things I actually kind of fondly recall about Smallville that I didn't learn until later, um, sort of like um, inside baseball for filmmaking, is uh, Vancouver, where the, the show was shot is a huge, huge hub for TV series. And uh, mm -hmm. they have a nice tax credit. They have like really good crews up there. And uh, I remember finding it funny that a lot of the day players on Smallville, like people that would come in, you know, just for one episode or um, have very small parts, you could sometimes hear the Canadian accent. And it always kind of like threw me for a loop because they're supposed to be in Kansas and like this really all-American high school. And then I realized that, you know, a lot of my favorite shows from then and even now it's still a huge hub. Uh, are filmed in Canada. So you, you get those fun moments like in Smallville, Supernatural, Psych is up in British Columbia, like just so many TV shows film in that area that it's kind of fun to spot those people that are locals that are trying to be American, but their accent slips through. 
Yeah, that is true. I uh, I had a good segue, and now you've given me another one. So now I'm stuck on two. So I'm going to pick one here. Uh, so let's do this. And since we're on the topic of CW slash WB, uh, Neil, were there any other shows, particularly on that network, that you were into around that time? I mean, other than, you know, like Gilmore Girls, um, I remember seeing a little bit of like Jamie Kennedy experiment. I want to talk about that. That show is awful. And I think it led directly into his Malibu rapping guy movie, because that was like one of his characters, I think, on the show. I Yes, I think you're right. Um, Well, well, and we'll get to this, too, I'm sure, Scott. But what's kind of funny is um, speaking of Jamie Kennedy experiment, I didn't realize just how much of. Um, I don't want to say a renaissance, but like the reality TV boom really hit, like the hidden camera mm-hmm. show. Like, oh, yeah, it's coming. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm sure we're getting there. But like, yeah, Jamie Kennedy, I, a little bit. But some of the other shows like I was familiar with, but I wasn't like super into like Everwood. I watched like a little bit of, but I didn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't like a super fan of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the only other one that and if this was way after the show jumped the shark multiple times. I think that I was probably still watching just out of loyalty was probably seventh heaven, mm. which would have been right at the tail end of, of the show there. But again, like I said, that was strictly from loyalty because I watched it when I was a little bit younger in the kind of the late nineties. Um, but I definitely held on longer than I should have with that show. So I was probably still watching that religiously on a weekly basis in 2003, I think. For Jessica Biel. No, she was gone by then. Uh, uh, so. We were on happy number three, I think. By this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, this was when they had like Ashley Simpson come in and do her That's terrible right. arc and all these other weird uh, Tyler Hecklin, who now plays uh, Superman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was on there. But it was not. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't good. But that was probably the only other thing I was watching on WB at the time. Like you, Matt, I, I didn't get into like Roswell or you know some of the other ones are felicity or anything like that so. yeah felicity felicity became kind of like when you when you describe the plot of felicity to like a modern tv watcher the like wait what <laughs> she went she followed him and she wasn't dating what is this yeah it's a it's kind of kind of a weird show that was really really popular especially for fans yeah. of buses <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was a really popular show. It, it kind of followed that same formula, though, too. It, it definitely, I mean, people knew who Carrie Russell was, I, I suppose, beforehand, but, you know, kind of launched her. And, and there were a lot of people on that show. Like, I know Scott Speedman, you know, was on there and, and people that definitely made a mark in Hollywood, you know, that you'll see in some earlier episodes of uh, Felicity. Um, you'll also do that in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which also ended in 2003. So we had to say farewell to that as well. Um, I think it was a spinoff too, of course, uh, in Angel. But uh, were either you Buffy fans? I love Buffy. Uh, I actually, about two years ago, I did a full rewatch. And it was actually my fr- I wasn't watching it at the time. That was my first introduction to it. And the first season, it's so fun to watch the show because um, it's a show that started slow. And you can see it finding itself as the show kind of goes along. Because there's some some not great episodes in the early, you know, first half of the series, the first season. Um, and then by season two, it kind of like knows what it is. And it's just, it's a really, really funny show. And, you know, with uh, Angel that eventually spun off and uh, it, it, they they had really, really great chemistry as well. And then it also hung along, it hung on probably too long as well, because by the end they had a bunch of pretty strange stuff. A lot of, a lot of Seth Green, if I recall, <laughs> later on, once, once he kind of, uh, became a main player on the show so i don't know but it it definitely the middle seasons of that show are as good as anything on tv i think 
I was, yeah, I was a, a big fan of, uh, of Buffy. That was sort of what 97 when it started for me. So, uh, that was, I guess, yeah, a little bit before I was in eighth grade and I told this story on, on our podcast before, and I, I feel bad for people who are listening here who've listened <laughs> to that show, but yeah, basically, uh, you know, I had a big crush on Sarah Michelle Geller. 1997 was a big year for me because it was Sarah Michelle Gellar on Buffy and then Jennifer Love Hewitt was in I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I watched on a bootleg VHS with like 12 other seventh graders in the house. So big year for, for Neil's crushes. But with Buffy, um, I used to put up posters of uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar <laughs> by a weight set that I only used for a year because obviously I'm not buff. <laughs> And uh, I would like work out and be like, oh, one day I'll be like, you know, good looking enough to date Sarah Michelle Gellar. And then I wore a, a clatter ring that Angel wears um, on the show, thinking that if, you know, she liked Angel, that she would like me mm. one day. Um, That's a really embarrassing story. I'm glad oh, to hear it again. I know. And there's not uh, as much detail as I could put in there. So I'll leave that <laughs> out. But um, I was actually a big fan of the, the original movie uh, with Christy Swanson first. So I, I saw that many times when I was younger. So it was pretty exciting to see the TV series. And at first I was like, why are they replacing Christy Swanson? Like there's no Paul Rubens, there's no Rucker Hauer and, um, or, uh, um, oh, I don't want to say Jason Priestley. Uh, Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, well, we'll see what the show is. And it ended up being really cool, like Matt said, and found its footing later on. So yeah, I was, I was a fan of that as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, who knew Neil all along what you really had to do was, you know, dress up like uh, Fred from Scooby-Doo and, and make over a high school team. And then Sarah Michelle Keller would have been into you. I, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, uh, and and have uh, immaculate hair as well that always looks perfectly gelled. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, the only other uh, WB show I wanted to bring up because it was really popular was Charmed. Not really for our demographic necessarily. Um, you know, I mean, I guess teenage boys would watch it. You know, for eye candy, but I, you know, I, I don't think necessarily the storylines or anything would really play into our interest. But uh, you know, did either of you watch any Charmed or you know? Charmed was a great show. Yeah. For me, Charmed was a great show to wake up to at eight in the morning after I'd fallen asleep to the TNT late NBA game. So I think, I think that's my experience. Charmed was uh, when the, it's a lot of nuggets, blazers falling asleep, waking up. Cause I think Charmed was on like, it seemed like from like 6am to like 9am on TNT for a, a while. Uh, so it, it had a huge run in reruns. You would see it all the time. I mean, it, it, it was a fine show. There was, you know, nothing spectacular, perfectly acceptable television, but I wouldn't, you know, I didn't know anybody who was like, oh my God, I love Charmed. Let's watch Charmed. Like that never came up. Yeah, it was, it did kind of fall under the radar. Uh, we have our own power of three here right now. Um, That's right. Three in the studio, but um, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really watch Charmed. It's funny thinking back to all these WB shows, like whether I was watching Smallville or a various episode of another show, the one thing I do remember very clearly now is there were so many ads for all of the other shows on the same network <laughs> trying to get you to watch their other shows. I feel like that they were so big on synergy. Like if you like Smallville, like check out this teen drama, you know, One Tree Hill or whatever it was. And I remember seeing ads for Charm just all the time, like this Monday or whatever day it was and, and be like, oh, maybe I'll check it out. And I just, I never did. Yeah, it's still like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't get through an episode of The Flash without knowing every single other show that's on the CW. Oh, God. And Don't knowing what's going on. 
I can't, I, I tried and you can't watch them on Netflix anymore because like halfway through the season, they do a full, like four show crossover event. Yep. So you, you, you have, have to, to go back and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it, no, I don't and, like this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And again, all those shows just hang on too long, but we're speaking about shows that uh, ended uh, the last few that we talked about. So friends also ended in 2003. Uh, so mm. farewell, rest in peace. So I, I think we, you know, be doing a disservice if we didn't at least mention it uh the fact that it was still on you know did you guys watch friends or maybe sporadically watch it i mean i feel like most people our age watched it watched it like years later and appreciated it mm-hmm. you know when it, it was binge worthy but you know for me personally as like a 13 year old it, it really wasn't my demographic so i'm kind of wondering if it hit you guys at all uh well for me personally um I saw the bigger episodes, um, like more some of the more famous ones, like if it was a holiday one, like a Thanksgiving one, or um, any of the big finales were, you know, in, <laughs> this is dating me too, in the TV guide, it said big, you know, a big spoiler <laughs> episode or whatever with Ross and Rachel or whatever it may be. So um, I would watch those episodes, but sort of going back to your One Tree Hill OC argument, like Backstreet Boys and Sync. Uh, type thing. I actually was just a bigger fan of Seinfeld and Seinfeld was already in syndication at that point. So I was watching Seinfeld like after school every day anyway, at around like six o'clock before dinner. So I never really um, moved over to friends. And I was always like, well, I like Seinfeld better. I'll just stick with that and not, you know, get uh, religious about friends. Yeah, I think I think it's funny you brought up Seinfeld because it really did feel like you were either a Seinfeld person or a friends person. Oh, I'm friends is beneath me it's kind of like just you know old hacky kind of sitcom and then i'm i'm more into the the fraser and uh seinfeld type comedies or whatever um but i mean friends is friends is good it's funny um i didn't really watch it because it was on thursday nights and you know thursday nights were smackdown so that's what i was pretty much watching at the time and then like i said it, w- it was in syndication but um, at least where we were, most of the times it was up against Simpsons, and I was definitely going to be watching uh, the the Simpsons for the 800th time. Uh, so I didn't really watch it that much, but I know I know it's funny. Like I I, I watch it, and I laugh, and I'm like, oh, but I never seek it out. Like I'll watch it if it's on. But yeah, at the time I I was not a Friends person. My mom loved it. I knew that. She was like, come watch with me. I'm like, no, I like wrestling. Like we gave her the stunner and left the room. And you gave her this move or whatever from friends. That's the one thing I do know with the fists hitting. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely remember that one. Um, (laughs) Other sitcoms that you guys are watching. I'm going to name a few that were really popular and we can just kind of go through and and say whether or not you ended up getting into them at all. Um, Scrubs. I guess we'll start with Scrubs since uh, Matt mentioned the uh, the theme song earlier where either you guys watch Scrubs. I got into Scrubs after when it was, you know, reruns on like Comedy Central or whatever it was on. But I really love Scrubs. I, I'm a huge fan of it. Did not watch it in 2003, but definitely think it's a, an amazing show. And I love, you know, Dirk and Carla's relationship. But um, either of you Scrubs fans? I feel like Matt is. Aren't you a big Scrubs fan or am I misremembering that? You are misremembering it. I like Scrubs, uh, okay. but I, I didn't really watch it a ton. Uh, I think I think this period I wasn't... I've watched a lot of these shows afterwards on Mm -hmm. Comedy Central, on a lot of the reruns on Netflix, kind of like I need to watch an entire show. And this has 10 seasons Yeah, Uh, because Scrubs Scrubs has a ton of seasons, even the bad ones at the end, Scrubs Academy or whatever the hell it was called. Uh, But I I mean, like I said, it's it's fine. It's funny. Zach Braff and uh, guy from Clueless have great chemistry. I can't remember his name right now. I I like the guy from Clueless better. Donald Faison, you mean? 
yeah yeah uh so i don't know but they yeah they were funny good stuff yeah i i saw the first season or first and second season i remember i enjoyed it when it came out the the interesting thing about this time period uh just because like i said i was a senior in high school and um i was doing so many extracurriculars that i just was not home is that now when i try to re rewatch some of these series having them in a bingeable format is so much easier because back then you really did have to wait every week to see the show. And if you, if I missed one, like say one or two weeks because I was busy and I didn't tape it, I would just feel like, Oh, what's the point anymore? Cause I probably missed something, even though it's a sitcom and they're um, there, you know, you can watch them week to week, but it was much harder to like stay on top of things. Cause I didn't even remember that scrubs had like 10 seasons, which is so many, but now, you know, thinking of it, if it was on Netflix or something, you know, you just blast right through them. But yeah, I was always a fan of like uh, the way that it was written. And I think that was like the first show that I remember seeing that had a lot of like cutaways and quick side jokes that, you know, Family Guy was pretty famous for. And I guess The Simpsons were too, but live action show that actually did a lot of that weird stuff that I think turned off a lot of people. And I always thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, that's probably the first show that I really remember on animated as well that they kind of did that so it was, it was unique in that regard i'll just name a few and then if we want to touch on any of them cool and if not we'll move on uh, as far as sitcoms go uh two and a half men king of queens everybody loves raymond woman grace so hey, those are some of the really big hey, ones hey. sorry I just, love, I just love that noise for some reason <laughs> um I, I didn't really watch too many of these i mean king of queens is fine if it was on in the background you know i'd enjoy it i, I think kevin james is, is it's funny and and I enjoy that, but other, the rest of them I didn't really get into. I'm not a not a two and a half men fan personally. No, I did, two and a half men was never good. And then the later weird uh, Charlie Sheen dies and they bring in Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> even yeah. weirder. The that whole that whole kind of setup was super super weird. Two and a, or uh, King of Queens, and I think it was paired with uh, Yes Dear, or there was like seven different shows that were all the same show. Uh, fat guy and and uh attractive yep. wife and i think that one king of queens was definitely the best of them because kevin james is pretty funny uh in general i just associate it with being at the gym on a treadmill with it playing silently above me for some reason <laughs> that's that's my i felt like it was always on when i'd be at the gym and uh that's kind of just how i remember it. but yeah it's 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 again it's a funny show but it's not like I don't think any anyone when listing their five favorite shows is ever like okay number three King of Queens one hundred percent like I I don't think that comes up. I did uh, I did enjoy Yes Dear I remember that one was always on um, not during was, the time though but I watched that was the it. Michael Malley one right I think. Uh, no or, or you know, you I'm sorry it was yes Michael Malley I'm thinking of um, Still Standing is the one I'm thinking of which is <laughs> okay. another one which is also which the has, same show yeah, yeah same ac- show. according to Jim yeah they're they're all the yeah. Same. Yeah, I was thinking of still standing, but I do remember the Michael Malley one. But yeah, like you said, um, there was a you're right. There was like a huge um, influx of like working class relationship shows with. Yeah, with like a pudgy main character husband and attractive wife. Um, I, I guess maybe they were trying to rehash the the Roseanne mold, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Roseanne home improvement. A lot yeah, of- married with children. Yeah, I think it was they were kind of trying to piggyback off of that. And they didn't had the success i mean I, I guess king of queens was on for a while i guess but mm-hmm. yeah at least it had uh um stiller on it which he's always uh he's always good um, playing the same character 
Um, oh yeah, I mean, George you, don't, is dead. <laughs> you don't need Jerry Stiller to be anything but Jerry Stiller. He's that's why he's so funny. Um, yeah, and I, I think um, one of the things about this time period too, with Two and a Half Men specifically, is uh, Chuck Lorre, who's the creator of that show. He created uh, Big mm. Bang Theory, Mom. Super, super successful creator. I mean, probably the biggest, I guess, TV producer in Hollywood uh, sitcom, I should say, um, not uh, serialized or whatever, hour long. But um, all of his shows have the same formula. So like once you're in tune with it and and you can spot the patterns, it just gets old after a while. I mean, it's just, you know, line or set up, line, joke, set up, joke, sex joke, set up, set, you know, so it's just over and over again. And once you once you know that formula, you're just kind of waiting for the episode to get over because uh, you know what's coming. So I think I kind of started realizing that when I was a little bit younger, but not until I was older did I really like, you know, figure that out. Yeah, King of Queens would be the sitcom they show you in Purgatory, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fine. It'd be it's kind there. of funny if you if you if you watched King of Queen, Queens under the the, uh, the lens that uh, Leah Remini was uh, trapped in a Scientology prison, and uh, the person who came to deliver her packages and be her husband every day was a fellow Scientologist. She couldn't leave. That'd be pretty horrifying. That actually sounds better. So <laughs> I, 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 I think we need to do a, a rewatch and uh, <laughs> and look at it under that lens. Uh, let's move off of sitcoms and, and get into more of the, the primetime stuff, the really, really popular shows around the time. And again, I'll name a few. And if you know if you have any comments on them, go for it. If you want to bring up some of your own, that's fine too. You know, some of the really, really big shows around this time uh, were actually, you know, a couple of the... Uh, the really big HBO shows, right? Like Oz and The Wire and, and things like that. There were these really, um, you know, really serious, really dramatic, really in your face sort of, uh, you know, hour long sagas that you could get into. Um, obviously, a, a, I was a little young, you know, to be getting into these. And I mean, obviously, I'd watch HBO when either my parents weren't paying attention or they really just didn't care. But you know, you shouldn't watch Oz at 12 years old, I would say. It, <laughs> it's hard probably... to watch Oz now <laughs> around that time. But, uh, you know, those shows, you know, Oz or The Wire or even any of the other HBO ones, um, you know, did you guys get into those at all? Well, I so I didn't have that channel. So I, it was kind of like that was not something I was able to watch. Uh, I just, you know, I've just watched The Sopranos for the first time, uh, like last summer, because I had it. I when I signed up for cable, I got a free year of HBO Go or Max or Turbo or whatever they're calling HBO now. <laughs> and uh, so I was able to watch through The Sopranos um, and some of Oz, and uh, and I th- I know that they're good shows, but I just I didn't have I didn't have the time or energy to to put into those kind of things. Yeah, for me, I was into a lot of the the cable stuff, just like off and on. Like my mom loves a lot of like morbid stuff. That's kind of where I get a lot of my uh, morbid fascination, I guess if you want to call it. Like I I I was watching R-rated movies when I was like four years old, and because my mom would do makeup and hair for different things, and she used to like you know teach me, oh this is fake or this is what they used, and like you don't have to be scared of it because it's not real. And so she really got me into like my love of film. So I was watching you know uh, Six Feet Under with her. Okay. Uh, there actually, I think there was a character named Neil on it. Now that I think about it, and a little bit of Sex in the City, like Ali G. I enjoyed watching uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, and um, I think Project Greenlight was almost ending around that time, uh, which is about filmmaking. So I, I really enjoyed that, and uh, like Matt said, a little bit of Sopranos as far as HBO. And then actually on um, Showtime, uh, I had watched. I didn't get into this until later, but I'd watched a little bit of uh, Penn and Teller bullshit which was kind of an interesting concept because at the time I wasn't really like 
critically thinking about anything. You know, I was just like trying to, you know, live my life and graduate or whatever. But uh, it was kind of interesting seeing people like break down popular subjects, I suppose. And I didn't really like understand it until I got older. But um, I just remember it being on then. I, I'm a big fan of magic. So it was just kind of a cool concept. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, more primetime stuff, uh, the big shows, like CSI, Nip Up, 24, The West Wing, ER, uh, you know, just the really, the ratings grabbers there. Uh, do you guys watch any of those? I, I, I like Matt said, uh, that that was a lot of Thursday nights and Monday nights, and, and those were already marked on the calendar for me. And then the OC, I believe, was on Wednesdays to start and move to Thursday. So most of my days were taken, so I didn't really have time to get into some of the more, I guess, adult programming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 24 is a, to me, that's a show like for grownups, not for, for kids. So, I mean, it was really heavily, um, you know, publicized and there were commercials on every, you know, every break of the OC. Every time I went to commercial, there was a promo for 24, but I wasn't able to get into a lot of those. But did you guys watch any of those West Wing 24 type shows? I'll let, I'll let Neil talk about 24 for the next uh, hour. I'll just set a timer <laughs> and I'll be back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, like Matt said, I'm, uh, you're, you're kind of in my territory now. Like I know I didn't watch One Tree Hill or any of the other shows, but yeah, I'm a huge 24 fan, really loved 24, um, kind of rewatched it, uh, after high school, one of my brother's classmates in AB had all the seasons and he like just lent them to me. Uh, I think it was the summer of, um, uh, maybe like 06 or 07. I had seen a little bit of 24, but I rewatched all of them again. But, um, yeah, I think 2003 would have been the end of season two, I think going into season three, when Jack Bauer uh, was trying to get over being a drug addict because he was undercover with a cartel and he actually had to take the drugs to make sure that they didn't kill him. So he was spoilers. He was always high, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed 24 a lot. I always thought the way that they, they shot that and uh, told the story was like super unique. And then the West wing, I didn't get into it back then. Like, like you said, it was kind of like a grown up show, but um, I'm a huge fan of it now. Like I, I recently uh, rewatched the entire series again with my girlfriend, Colleen. And what's kind of interesting about year 2003 is that's the last year of the Aaron Sorkin tenure because he left at the end of season four. And in my opinion, I know this is like rubbing a lot of really, you know, diehard fans. The show just isn't the same after Aaron Sorkin left. The the last season is good with the campaign, but everything else, they just tried way too hard to um to re- either either replicate what Sorkin was doing or do something completely the opposite. And it just never really like some episodes would be good, some wouldn't. And actually sp- speaking of prestige shows, same creator who took over for Sorkin, John Wells did ER, which I was also pretty big into at that time period. So yeah, no, that was my the next show I was going to bring up. So that's the perfect, uh, a perfect segue there. But before we do that, um, Matt, doesn't sound like you share the same sentiments about 24 and oh, no, I... as Neil. Love 24. I, okay. <laughs> if I hear, if I hear that countdown sound, I know something's happening. And, uh, you know, when me and Neil worked together at Starbucks, uh, <laughs> our boss made, uh, Neil the person in charge of safety and security. So he put down Jack Bauer as chief of <laughs> safety and security <laughs> at our store. So we like, we, we love that show. I just, I remember Neil, you, I, I think you and Phil introduced me to the concept of our mutual friend, Phil, that you'd sit down and actually watch a whole season in one day in 24 hours and just do it in real time. Like start the season at midnight and just like work your way through it i just thought that was such a and the way it is in quote unquote real time is kind of cool how you can watch that but it doesn't leave room for him to go to the bathroom and do other things that i always thought were important that they should have just had like a two minutes of them standing outside the door like 
than like the sound of him washing his hands afterwards. Just so you know that he's doing those things too. Cause I worried about him for his health too. Uh, I, yeah, 24 is great. Uh, West wing had just like a crazy cast, um, because I didn't watch it the first time. And then when I went and was rewatching it, I'm like, Oh, that's so, and that's Dr. Cuddy from house. And there's Gus from psych. And there's, you just see like so many people who are on that show at the same time. It's just, it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous cast. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's oh, go, go ahead. No, I was My gonna say, it's funny. who they are. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it's funny that you remembered the 24 hour thing. I, I forgot about that, but yeah, we, uh, it was, I think maybe six or seven people, maybe eight. And we picked uh, season five of 24 because that one, if I remember was like the most, maybe the most action packed or like there's some good stuff happening in it. We we're like, Oh, this will keep everyone up. And the fact that the episodes, I think were 42, 43 minutes because of commercials when you're watching them in real time, you're banking extra time to like do other things. So, you know, we, I think we went for like every eight hours, we would take a, a small break. We'd go outside and like walk or throw a Frisbee around to like get our blood moving. So we didn't like pass out. Our big mistake though, was we started the day eating fairly healthy. And then for lunch though, we had like pizza and we were just so dead, but we did make it through all the way. Not everyone though. Some people were passed out pretty, pretty early, but uh, it was kind of a fun experience. Made it I mean, sound it was... like they died. You're like, not everyone <laughs> made it. <laughs> we, we lost some along the way. I mean, like 24, some, some of your favorite characters are lost uh, every season. Um, and working with Matt at Starbucks, I remember, I don't know if it was the same period I, I, I worked with you then, but I had this um, phone that had like a PDA pen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my ringtone was the CTU, like the, I, I can't even do it, but it was the CTU ringtone that they had. And uh, I remember uh, the phone was so stupid that sometimes when it, a phone would ring, uh, it would freeze and it would just keep doing that over and over again. And I'm sure it drove people insane, but it was a different time. It was a different Technology time. Wise. <laughs> I mean, Jack Bauer saved the world in 24 hours. It was a much different time. Yes, Did you I watch 24, uh, Scott, or no? Uh, I've seen it now. You know, like I said, it, it was a little bit out of my, I guess, age range, uh, you know, at like 13, 14. I mean, not that I, I mean, I enjoyed action, but again, I was more into the, the teen drama shows and like wrestling. Well, it holds up pretty well. It's still really dumb. And you like everyone, everyone eventually turns on, turns out to be a double agent or a yeah. triple agent where they were a double agent, but then they were actually working with you the whole time. And then it's just it's it's so stupid and uh, it has the great i think season two has the uh, uh kaylee coco i think's her name she's uh she's fighting a a panther on the on a oh, alicia cuthbert alicia cuthbert daughter right yeah. yeah and and there's a there's like a panther going after her she has to scare it <laughs> off it's so so dumb i love it great show yeah, I, I got into, like I mentioned at the at the beginning with the Netflix thing, and I got really into like Prison Break and some of the other shows that were on Fox a couple of years later. And so I would watch, you know, 24, like after one of those, you know, or something like that and, and catch some episodes or, you know, and I would end like an episode of whatever was on before 24 and go to the refrigerator, sit down and, you know, watch the recap and be, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to keep this on and you know, kind of watch it that way. So I, I definitely appreciate it. it it's you know, it's action. It's, you know, like people said, it's action packed and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. So, uh, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I certainly understand the popularity over something like yeah. Nip Up, for example. Like, I, you know, 
Yeah. You could probably watch, like, you could just watch the whole series on the previously on 24 and just watch all of them in a row. And then you get, you get the gist and you get all the best moments. So I, I would, if there's a way to do that, like a super cut, just do that instead. Save you yeah, some YouTube time. or something. Can I uh, bring up a show? I don't know if either Please. of you have ever seen it, um, but I used to be the biggest champion of this show. And I remember my freshman year of college at the University of Iowa, I brought, I bought the DVD and I it- brought it to campus and I kept trying to get people to watch it. I was almost like a drug dealer. I'm like, hey, do you want some of this? You know, is, like it, to is show it dead them? like me? It is not dead like me, you know, but that's yeah. a good guess. Um, and your Mandy Patinkin love would get you. <laughs> I, I do love Mandy Patinkin, but yeah, it was not dead like me. Uh, but the show, yeah, I would try to get people to watch it all the time, but no one would get into it. And I think maybe, maybe it was like you said, maybe for older people, but it was called Boomtown. Do either of you remember that show? That's the uh, Kyle Chandler show, right? No, no, it's um, Donnie Wahlberg, Neil McDonough, oh, okay. Mikkel T. Williamson, who played Bubba Gump from Forrest Gump. Um, so basically, the show. It was such a cool concept, but it got canceled because no one watched it and they didn't understand it. Plus, they I think they aired the episodes out of order. But anyway, um, it was basically like Rashomon. Are you guys familiar with that uh, Japanese movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I've heard so, of Boomtown. I just, yeah, I never saw it. So I'm interested to hear about it. Yeah, so it's it's like um, it's like your normal cop show on the surface, but every episode would deal with uh, a certain crime. So let's just say um, a, a jewelry store gets robbed or whatever. Each episode, it would be like, you know, the first 10 minutes would be from the perspective of the robber and like why he's doing it. Then the next 10 minutes would be the cop who caught him and like what happened before and after they caught him. Then the next 10 minutes would be like the lawyer while they're like, you know, eating breakfast and they get a phone call that their client got arrested. And then the next thing would be um, the ambulance person or the EMT who came to like save someone who got shot. So every episode was the same crime uh, per episode, but from like five to six different viewpoints. So it was kind of cool. It was different. You know, they had really hadn't had anything like that before. And I just remember thinking it was like the, the coolest concept. It had a new kids on the block member, obviously, which is super <laughs> awesome. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, I, I always thought it was like a really fun show. And I just don't think it um, it found its legs because I think season two, they got so afraid of the audience and the general public not getting the Rashomon, like many points of view storyline that they were so confused that they complained and then they changed it to more of a regular show and then it just didn't do well and it got canceled. Yeah. I no, love ex- TV executives who are like, no, people are too stupid for this. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. It reminds me of uh, that movie Vantage Point, right? With Forrest Whitaker yeah. and Matthew Fox yeah. and it's got all the different, yeah, you know, it's not it's not for everyone. I, yeah, I get it, you know? Now, some people don't want to follow along and they want their TV shows to be, I guess, you know, dumbed down for lack of a better term. and. They wanted to follow the basic structure and you know i guess kudos to them for you know thinking outside the box it definitely sounds like something i do want to check out i, I don't know if it's uh, available for streaming neil but uh i don't think it is actually and it's funny because it's just one of those shows that like never i don't even think it had a cult following the the creator of the yeah. show graham yost he actually used a pretty big screenwriter in hollywood and he he went on to create uh, justified with timothy Olsen. okay so um yeah i'll look and see if it's uh streaming from uh from anywhere which i don't think it is so i might have to just mail you my dvd set if i can find it <laughs> yeah fair enough uh <laughs> yeah i mean if there's any other shows you guys want to bring up you know since since we're on the topic here i, I get you know we can kind of open that now and then we'll shift over into more of the uh reality tv slash guilty pleasure portions of 2003 uh, but before we do that if there's you know anything else you guys want to bring up let's, let's talk about it 
I think I think we can move into the reality TV. I think that's what's pretty much what's left off the bubble. We could we could briefly mention 2003 was when I first had my heart broken by the Chicago Cubs with the Kyle, oh, with Steve, Steve Bartman. Bartman. Uh, that was a rough. That was on television. Uh, I broke up with my <laughs> girlfriend over that because uh, she said it was stupid for me to be upset and she didn't understand. So I said it's stupid for me to date you, and we're through. And that was that was how that ended. So oh, and that's that's what uh, got you into pop punk, probably. Yeah, I immediately downloaded uh, a messed album off of Kazaa, I believe, was the time. I was just gonna say, let's just all talk about how much time we spent on Kazaa, LimeWire, and Napster, because I know I spent a lot of time. Yeah, every song by Weird Al Yankovic. That um, was not by Weird Al. Yankovic. Yeah, I, mom, I apologize for all the computer viruses and all of the damage that I <laughs> caused with my illegal downloads. But what else was I supposed to do? You know. I didn't even know my about favorite it until I, the, the, oh, no, I was going to say, I didn't even well, know about I, it until I, just, I got to college. So my, my roommate was the one downloading stuff and he like opened my eyes to this world and I, it was crazy. Yeah. The, the best would be you download like a remix of some song and it would be the full song, but in the middle, it would just be like jcpremix.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Visit jcpremix.com. <laughs> yeah. It's to the point where there's certain songs where I listen to them today and I have to say those things just like, <laughs> Because I, I actually for it. think that they're in that song. I used to think that like songs just had that in the middle of it. It's like, wait, and I'd hear it like at the store, and it's like, wait, that's not in the middle of that Natasha Bedingfield song. What? I always felt that was DJ Clue and all of his remixes constantly. Exactly. I'll, I'll throw just a few quick hitters in here. The Drew Carey show, I think, was ending around that time. I used to watch mm-hmm. that a little bit, and. Drew was kind of a big deal on Whose Line Is It Anyway, since I was like a young actor, anything, you know, having to do with improv, it was just kind of fascinating to me that there was a show on TV, which I guess it's still on, Whose Line Is It Anyway, um, that had to do with improv, which was kind of cool. So I, I enjoyed those. And then um, just some other little sitcoms like Becker, I watched, the, you know, Becker. here and there. Um, I feel Cheers like a lot too. of- Cheers too. yeah. I feel like a lot of these uh, sitcoms that we're talking about, it's like those shows you kind of like watch- now and then like if it's on tv you're like okay I'll, I'll i have to eat my cereal or where i'll watch the show and then you know you kind of see a little bit of it but um one show that i did get into in the summer that i worked at blockbuster um, i bought the dvd just because i didn't want to wait on tv um and it's a bad show but i just found it so fun was csi miami mm. okay because i would wait every episode just to see what his one-liner would be at the beginning of the episode <laughs> before the who came in <laughs> And this was 2003. CSI was probably one of the like top five shows like on TV. Right? CSI Within... and CSI Miami. When yeah. I was looking at kind of the ratings, they were they both cracked. I I think the top five for for yeah. ratings for the year. And Survivor, and, uh, American Idol, all those were. Probably... Oh yeah, for sure. And CSI Miami is so fun. Like if you ever if you ever get a chance to watch it, like I would say you know watch like two to three episodes because you know they're all the same. But uh, one of the best things to do is you watch Horatio Kane, uh, the main character played by David Caruso. Uh, he's the lead detective. The way he acts in that series, he like never looks anyone in the eye. He says one-liners and he never lets anyone respond. So it's like, you know, you're in an argument with someone and he'll say like, you know, really like if you're in wrestling or whatever, because you guys like wrestling, you say a promo and then you you like insult the other wrestler. And in, in wrestling, you're still standing there and you just like face each other off and and you keep going back and forth until like the match starts. But on this show, he would say like a really great one-liner and then he would just leave. And then the, the other character couldn't say anything back. And it was just hilarious. So kind of a fun show to watch and just kind of, uh, you know, wait for the one-liners and, and the outlandish um, crimes being committed. Yeah, no, that, that 
yeah, it's all those shows are kind of like that, right? Like a Criminal Mind, Cold Case, you know, all those yeah, ones that kind of popped up. Yeah, exactly. So they all have their, their watchability for reasons that are maybe other than just the fact yeah. that you like the show or the plot. They, they were so. all just ripping off Jag. It's, that's yeah, what I think. anything anything with an acronym, you know what you're in for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, just a, yeah, a couple other quick hitters here. Um, obviously, I mentioned Joan of Arcadia before, and I asked the Amber Tamlin question uh, when I hosted on Triviality, but that debuted uh, in 2003. A couple other shows that uh, did not hit. Uh, you know, True Calling uh, with Eliza Dushku was a, a show that they tried on mm-hmm. Fox that didn't work. This was pre Dollhouse. Uh, and then uh, Jake 2.0 was another one uh, that they <laughs> that tried and failed. I wanted to kind of emphasize those because I just remember them being overhyped so much. And then after like three months, there were no more commercials for them. Was True Calling, is that the one where she was a medium? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because there was a bunch of those shows, I feel like. Where somebody like, yeah. wasn't like Ghost Whisperer or something, the Jennifer Love oh, Hewitt show. That was Jennifer Love Hewitt, yeah. Ghost Whisperer. Yeah. yeah. Same show. Um, it's funny with Jake 2.0, uh, that starred Christopher Gorham, yeah. who was on Ugly Betty for a long time, which I've seen a, a ton. Um, you know, thanks, Colleen. And uh, if you want him to be on your show or have a little cameo, I think he's like $10 on cameo for charity. So there you go. You can get a Jake 2.0 soundbite for yourself. I, I might actually do that because um, I watched uh, my first introduction to Chris Gorham was on Popular by Ryan, uh, is a Ryan Murphy show back on oh, the yeah. WB in like 2000. And I had a huge crush on uh, Carly Pope who uh, played oh. the character Sam on that show. And Christopher Gorham's character was in love with her. And I just always think, I remember thinking like, it's either me or you, dude. Like one of us is going to end up with Sam and I hope it's me. So I would, uh, I'd have him on cameo just for that. And I'd probably have him say, uh, you know what, Scott, I concede. Sam is all yours and you're the, you're the better man. So I might actually look into that. That's hilarious. Um, you know what? I, I forgot about uh, the Bernie Mac show. I used to watch that a little bit too. Oh yeah, I could. We could go down a, probably a rabbit hole with the Bernie Mac show and like my wife and kids and uh, one-on-one and a lot of those. Yeah, Hughley. Didn't he have a show? Yeah, the Hughleys and uh, it, uh, Cedric the Entertainer. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I think he was on something. Steve Harvey. So there are a lot of those types of shows he wasn't, as well. He wasn't hosting the feud yet? No, not yet. He wasn't uh, <laughs> messing up pageants or anything yet at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, we kind of touched on it before and, and Matt kind of brought up the top two but um and you know you mentioned it a lot earlier in the episode is uh you know the reality tv boom you, you know was in full force and you know it started a couple years earlier like 2001 ish it's real but it really started to take off in 2003 when you got your joe millionaires and just you know it was literally just what are we going to do with people and you know behind a camera and so you know you got your you had your like Chappelle show type uh, you know, sketch shows. You had like punk, like punk debuted in 2003, and punk was a huge phenomenon for a while. Uh, you know, and you so you had shows like that. You had um, Real Life was another big one that got. You know, I remember it got really popular in 2003. We're gonna take washed up celebrities and you know put them in a house and and watch all hell break loose. So you know, did you guys, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think they're you know trashy? Do you think they're guilty pleasures? Oh, I think they're just quality television. I think- <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I think Surreal Life was funny because that like single-handedly reintroduced Flava Flav to the world. And uh, oh yeah, the, the yeah. VH1, the VH1 
were funny because they were just an orbis of of reality shows because it was like you would you would create a reality show to create the reality show that would eventually create the reality show yeah. it was just it just kept spinning off like rock of love which was a terrible show it had like six or seven different spin-offs from characters from the show oh yeah yeah, yeah probably like, a lot of stds <laughs> yeah, it was like surreal life with flavor the flavor of love to like rock of love with brett michaels to a shot of love with deal tequila that you just put love in the title and, and throw another word in there and yeah and all the shows are the same show you just put a bunch of people in a house and see what the hell happens that's that's the show like it's every show and i think um i think it it caught on so much because uh, reality tv is is basically um you know sort of our generation's like de facto soap opera i mean so many people were glued to the tv every day to soap operas uh back in the day and now um, there's so many reality TV programs, one, because they're popular, but two, because they're so cheap to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like Matt said, you just throw people into a house, you say you're doing psych evaluations, but you probably know everyone has a, a couple of screws loose and then you just see what happens and you roll. I remember in that time period, like you had um, Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton, like Simple Life. Yeah. Um, the uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy I used to watch, which they remade now. That's super popular again. Thanks to Colleen. I, I, I watched it a little bit back then, but I've seen every season of America's Next Top Model probably like five times. So mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of those. Um, but then, I mean, I, I, I want to say the biggest reality TV series other than American Idol, maybe from like 2000 until, I don't know, 2007 for me was probably Survivor. I mean, that's what I've talked about all the time. So, um, and I feel like people didn't really understand reality TV at the time. And they were like, these people could die, you know? And so it was like that, <laughs> yeah. that drama, not realizing there's like seven people behind the camera with like a, a note, a notepad and like a boom mic and everything. But, um, but I always used to think that was kind of a pretty fascinating experiment. Yeah. Survivor was huge. You know, it's, it's similar to what we like, it's funny that we're kind of bookending it, but the, the pop culture references, right? Like the tribe that spoken and, you know, the different things from Survivor that, that were bigger than just what, like, I didn't even really watch the show, but I knew who Richard Hatch was. I knew he won the first season. You know, I knew the tribe has spoken and, and just kind of everything that goes with that because of it, like, it was just, it took off and everyone was just so into it. And, and I think, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of the, the unpredictability and the unknown of, of what's real and what's not, you know, was what was really kind of keeping people in. You know, you had your different tiers and your different styles of reality shows, right? You had the one where it's like this real life where it's like, we just want to watch these celebrities like live, right? It's like a zoo for celebrities. You just want to watch them in their natural habitat. Like newlyweds, right? Like Nick and Jessica was oh, yeah. debuted in Chicken, 2003. Chicken and, and people love watching that show, but it's like, they're not doing anything. They're literally just having conversation. I mean, it's it's the same thing as what, what Keeping Up With The Kardashians is now, but they're not actually doing anything, but people oh. love it. And they're glued to the, their TV screens to see what these people are doing. And then you have your... Your, you know your competition shows whether it's like competing for love like the bachelorette or you know one of those or if it's you know competing for a prize you know like survivor or like america's next top model you know where there's like something at stake and then you had your other type of competitions like american idol which probably the most popular show in 2003 it was in season two the, the clay aiken season and yeah you know, regardless of what it was, it's like reality TV kind of had something for everyone, whether it was you like the cutthroatness of the competitions, you just wanted to kind of watch celebrities, you wanted to hear people sing. Uh, it, it definitely 
there was one for every household. Like there was, every, I feel like every household had their reality show. Like mine was American Idol, and we sat and we watched it, and you know, our favorites yeah. and everything. And do you ever call in? I did not call in. I think I started texting like once you could text uh-huh. in like season five for Catherine yeah. McPhee because oh, I'm in love with Catherine McPhee. Um, <laughs> but no, I did not call in. We didn't go that far, thankfully. Yeah, I think it's funny because I think 2000, 2000 to 2005 is when we really started changing how we watch television in the sense that TV was always on when before it was like primetime, watch their primetime shows. The only people who watched daytime TV were like unemployed and housewives. And uh, so there was no need for some of this program. But a lot of a lot of reality shows exist as something to have on in the background as you do other things, as you wash ditches or while you fold laundry. I think a lot of those, you know, Nick and Jessica style shows kind of like played into that where it's like, oh, I can I can watch for, you know, a little bit and then check in and who cares what's happening because none of it matters. And it's just you're watching other people do things that you should be doing. It's like, oh, I should take the garbage out. You're right. Uh, Paris Hilton. <laughs> it's basically the, you know, the live action version of that column in magazines that are like, the stars are like us, you know, you're just watching them <laughs> proving to yourself that yes, I'm like Paris Hilton, like I don't like going in the mud, you know, and like Scott, like you were saying, you know, the competition, and then you had like shows that where you built something, whether it was motorcycles or houses or whatever. Yeah. And then the prank shows, there's so many prank shows. Um, I blame prank shows for like, 90% of YouTube that's just mean. Oh, Those yeah, shows, for sure. They're, they're, it's like, this is my uh, throw stuff at minimum wage worker prank. And it's like, well, that sucks. Why do you do that? Like, it's not I a know, prank. yeah. Like, it's one, thing, it's one thing when you break millionaire Justin Timberlake's guitar. It's another thing when you break uh, Joe anybody's whatever window. Like, that's not a prank. You're just being a dick. It's funny. Um, there's a great interview Justin Timberlake just did. Uh, he has a movie coming out ca- uh, called Palmer, it, or it came out. But he was on Dak Shepard's podcast, if you've ever heard it. And um, they go into detail about uh, the punk episode that he was on, which is, I would say, probably launched that show. And it's probably oh, still yeah. like, the most famous prank on that Because he was crying. And yeah, because he was crying. Yeah. Um, but it's a really funny deep dive because uh, I won't get into too much of it, so I won't spoil it for anyone. But what's interesting about it is that Dak Shepard was a young actor trying to make it and that blew his career up. And Justin Timberlake had just left NSYNC and was about to be on his solo career. And he was at the start of his, you know, like new career, I, I you could say. And mm-hmm. um, for them to like reconnect 20 years later, basically, and talk about it. And you find out what Justin was thinking during that whole process. And it's really funny because there's a lot more going on than they probably told you, which is pretty funny. Yeah, no, you're right, though. You alluded to it. That that episode particularly, yeah, that that really that show really took off. And it was an, another show that was it was so hyped. It, it was, you know, find out what's going to happen to Hillary Duff next week on, on Punk or, you know, whoever the hot you know, Lindsay Lohan or whoever, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, the really hot celebrities were at that time. It was like I remember like they had Beyonce on like a Christmas themed episode. And I just remember that that was all like they showed and it wasn't even just on mtv like on other like tv channels you were seeing ads for punk and you know and like you said matt like everyone wanted to find people at that point like people at schools were just you know putting stuff in people's lockers or like you know getting them in trouble with the principal or something and like oh you just got punked and i'm ashton and i'm wearing my bond trucker hat and <laughs> which, that, that's which the I... thing 
Matt was saying, like you, people were getting pranked like normal everyday people on other shows. But then Scott, what you're saying in real life, people were getting pranked all the time, but there was no TV show. So it was just like, you know, really sad because <laughs> water would pour all over them or whatever during yeah. school. And you're like, ah, I got you. And it's like, well, what's the point? I'm not getting paid to be on here. Yeah. It's going to really yeah. boost your career at, at this middle school. <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely a guilty pleasure show. And uh, MTV had some other ones around that time, too. Vito La Bam was one that uh, came out in 2003 that, that people really got into as well. You know, and obviously, you know, the jackass guys and, and that kind of spinoff. But it really put Bam Margera on the map. And that was another show where it's just like people doing stupid things and other people wanting to emulate those people to stupid things. I don't know why it was so popular now that I'm thinking about it as an adult, but you know, as a 13, 14 year old, I didn't necessarily watch it, but if I saw my friends like messing around, I was like, Oh, that's kind of funny. That's just like what I saw in the commercial for Vila Pan the other day. Like, ah, yeah. I mean, the whole era was basically like, you could be a celebrity. There's mm -hmm. nothing holding you back. You can do it. Look at, look at these idiots. They, they've tipped over a porta potty and, and we're laughing at them and they're on TV or, you know, it, you can just sing and then somebody's going to find you and you're going to get, you're going to get a record deal or you can, whatever the hell goes on in Survivor, uh, eat some gross stuff. Yeah. Joe, Ro Joe Rogan will feed you some guts on Fear Factor. I was just going to mention Fear Factor because that's the one I 100% remember, like my friends and I, like we did Fear Factor and, yeah, and we no had the one round like, hey, will you jump off of this roof? And the next one was like, oh, I remember my brother and I just took like, four random uh foods from our fridge and pantry and like put it in a blender and was like hey will you drink this and that was like round two and if you pass that one and you got to round three and round three was like play chicken with a school bus or something and you know oh, just trying yeah. to like play fear factor because you saw it on the tv show so that, that was not a to big die one challenge. Too. yeah exactly i remember um the fact that punked and all those uh mtv reality shows i mean i guess it starts with the real world not to go too far back but I feel like punk really brought them back into the mainstream, but then it just, uh, you know, birthed so many different reality shows from MTV, whether it was like uh, Cribs, was that MTV or was that VH1? I can't remember. Cribs was yeah, MTV, like Room, Room Raiders. Room Raiders, um, yeah. And then I remember one I used to enjoy, which was so dumb, which was uh, Wilmer Valderrama's Yo Mama. I, Yo I, Mama. I, Yo Mama's on my list here. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Because I, I remember there was like the nerdy white guy, and I'll never forget his name because it's it's so memorable, but I think his name was Harp, and his he name. was the guy who won, I think, season one. And I my friends and I used to like hang out at, you know, wherever we'd go to like a cafe really late, and just out of nowhere, we'd be like, cash money. And then uh, Wilmer Valderrama, like when he would start the battle, he would like wait for like painstakingly long time, and then all of a sudden he'd go, yo mama, and then they would start. Yeah, I and then, it was... yeah, and I remember some of the other ones on there. Let's pull it. He would say, "Let's pull it," and uh, the oh, yeah. ooh wee, ooh wee, and like all of his ridiculous. Yeah. I actually remember, you know, I remember that guy Hart because I watched you, the first yeah. couple seasons. I remember him. Season yeah. two, they had another uh, a white guy. He was like well dressed. I think his name was Jordan or something, and I think he won that one. And he was like really proper with his jokes, and he was like dry. I remember one, his his main joke on one of them was like, Wilmer Valderrama owned your mama. And like, the crowd <laughs> went crazy for that. I got so, him. It rhymed. Yeah. That, that, got show, him, yeah. <laughs> that show was ridiculous. Him with but the it, was, it was so it popular. And it was another it was, thing that like you could take to school and, you know, you, you're like trying to rag on your friends. And then it evolved into Nick Cannon's Wild and Out, I think, like five years later. That's what basically the same show. All yeah. of these shows are just repeats, you know, they're all recycled and different you just get a different celebrity who's got some extra time and then they host the show and 
you know, it's pretty. It's funny. a very good time for Wil for Wilmer though, because like I think that was a peak. Wasn't he dating Lindsay Lohan at the time? And that '70s show was still on, and he has an MTV show. It's like, man. Well, that was the formula for MTV. It was take one of the casts of that 70s show and have them host the show. I, I don't know why Danny Masterson didn't get like a prank show on MTV. I'm, I'm still a little upset about that. I think uh, made for something like that. I don't know if... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go for Grace. I'm not really sure if he would have been able to pull it off, but... What they really should have done was uh, was got uh, Kurtwood Smith to host the prank <laughs> show. That would have gotten all the kids to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been awesome actually uh yeah we touched on most of the stuff that i had on my list um i had a couple other like guilty pleasures to throw out there um extreme makeover got mm-hmm. really popular around this time at uh the high pennington you know here's your new house and and all that i remember watching oh yeah i remember watching that a lot my brother got the like the dvd for christmas one year and we just marathon that and you know. Is that uh, that's move that bus, right? Yep, move that bus. Yep. I always thought it was funny that show. I used to watch it too when it was on TV. That's another one where I think where you're like your whole family sits down and watches because mm-hmm. you're watching another family, you know, get a new house. But the one thing I always thought was funny it was when we would sit around because we didn't have like you know a huge house or a nice house or anything. We'd be like, oh, that that'd be like a really cool house if if Ty built that for us. But then being you know younger, youngish, like my brother, I guess was in seventh grade at the time or whatever. I feel like. Anytime that was a family with kids, whether it was, you know, a girl or a boy, they would pick the most generic, stereotypical things like, what do you like? And then the boy would go, well, I play soccer on Saturday and I like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he's like 12, maybe. And then all of a sudden his bedroom is like all soccer balls and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it's like, I guess I have to live with this now until I'm like 29 and move out. Yeah, you're like, I I have no room to grow. My interests can't change. (laughs) I'm I'm stuck. I'm pigeonholed there. That was like, like I, pimp, like pimp my ride. But it's like, oh like yeah, we, it's like we heard you like cotton candy, so we made a cotton candy machine in your trunk. It's like, why? And then you How read stories sell that, this? that the car broke down like a week later because the cotton they don't candy fix, machine. Yeah. Well, they don't fix the engine or anything. They just right. slap a new coat of paint. I mean, on to it. be fair, it's called pimp my ride. It's not called fix my car. So. <laughs> I think you got you gotta know what you're you're getting yourself into. Uh, another one that you know we didn't really talk about was uh, the Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just got really popular around that who, time. Who hosted that? I can't remember. Uh, someone. Yeah, Some nobody who went on to nothing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah it, it had a host. And then uh, another guilty pleasure that I wanted to mention. Probably you guys are probably a little bit too old for it, but uh, you know, if anyone who is you know a little bit younger than me, probably especially um, may remember, is uh, Degrassi getting really mm. popular in in the U.S. in like around 2002, 2003. Um, Wheelchair you know, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. Like Wheelchair Jimmy and, and everything there. So I wanted to bring that up just because probably anyone who was like age 10 to 13 or 14 definitely, definitely watched episodes oh, yeah. of Degrassi. We, we could talk about the shows that I was too old to be watching, like Lizzie McGuire and even Stevens, I believe I was. Oh, even big... Stevens was a classic. I watched I... even, yeah, I think 2003 was... Right around, right around the time the movie came out. Yeah, so I was definitely watching those. I think we had just they just added Disney Channel to like basic cable, so I was like watching Smart House and all these like made for. Just <laughs> watching that so Raven. Yeah, over and over. It's like oh, I I've never seen any of this before. So this is, I mean, this was a probably golden era of those Disney Channel shows that a lot of, a lot of people probably have a ton of nostalgia for that maybe we didn't you know necessarily watch, but. uh Definitely, a lot of people. Would I, I definitely those. watched even Stevens. I, I definitely remember the um the musical episode that they did, Influenza the musical. Yeah. I definitely remember that, and and Little some Lizzie McGuire. I, 
Yeah, some Lizzie McGuire just because, again, being 13 and 14, if you've got, you know, Hillary Duff or Christy Carlson Romano on these shows, like, mm-hmm. if nothing else, I was watching it for that. And I remember liking uh, Shia LaBeouf. So. I, um, yeah, those were, uh, those were good. I mean, not good, but those were definitely shows that were in my rotation <laughs> of like, I got home from school and I don't want to start my homework yet. So, like, what's on? Oh, cool. Even Stevens, I'll watch it. Yeah, that is 100%. It's just like, these are on. I'm going to watch this. Yeah, it was almost as if I didn't have a remote control. I was just like, oh, well, it's already on that channel. So I guess I got to keep it on and watch it here. I don't want to go up to the dial and switch it. So that's all I have um, as far as Liz is concerned. Do you guys have any other uh, quick hitters or, or anything that you wanted to mention? I can't think of any other one. I mean, we covered uh, so many of them. Um, was um I- Was Wife Swap at the time? Was that 2003? I feel it, like it might it would have been. be around the time for sure. Yeah, and that's another one of I those. Was, I was really into that one. And then the show where a family had to like do the renovations for another family's house and then they always hated it and then they would fight. And then I think there was Mortal Kombat <laughs> at the end. I can't remember. But and the show in my head was like that and it's probably better than the real show. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I think your idea is not for network television, but I like it. Trying to think of some other things too. I think um, I, I think any year that you look in TV history, there's always going to be a, a legal show. There's always going to be a cop procedural show. So you're, yeah. you're pretty, you know, anytime you like uh, judging Amy, that was 2003. So there's your legal show with Jag. Yeah, there's just so many. The uh, practice was on too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Was it Boston League? Did you mention Boston League? Boston League was 2004. Oh, 2004. Okay. Yeah. Um, Boston Public might have been on, which is basically the same show. Yeah, there's just yeah, so many I'm so many right. shows. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, it. I, yeah, I no, that's I, mean, I yeah, I agree. I, I can we could probably you know we could look up a list of probably thirty more and, and you know, oh, yeah. keep going. But I think we've covered yeah. you know kind of the different styles uh, you know of what you had as far as mm-hmm. you had your teen dramas that were really big. You had your reality TV that was big. You had your primetime shows, and then you kind of had your more adult programming if if you were. I guess luxurious enough to have you know home box office or anything yeah, like that. Playboy um, channel, gotcha. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, really something for everyone. I think that's kind of the, the big thing I wanted to hammer home was with the reality TV and the, the inclusion of that. There really was, you know, whatever household size you had, whatever you know your viewing options were, whether it was basic cable or you know maybe an expanded cable. There, there was definitely something for everyone in 2003. You, you certainly had to sit down and channel surf and and find something. You know it might not be on your first click, but eventually you'd find something. You'll find something for your sister. You'll find something for your dad. You'll you'll find something for everyone. And that uh, I, I maybe it's still like that. I don't watch as much TV, so it's it's hard for me to say. But it was. I, I feel like it was a nice time to uh, to have options and to kind of explore different things. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I think like you said, um, what after what they call it, like appointment TV or whatever, and things like American Idol. A lot of those shows, um, even you said you sat around with your family and watched it together. Oh, yeah. And um, I guess reality TV shows might be the only shows that are kind of like that now because everything is so readily available to stream and binge and whatnot. You can just watch anything you want at any time. Um, who, so who won the two thousand and three American Idol? I gotta know. Ruben Stutter. Ruben Stutter. Oh, Ruben. Yeah. I loved Ruben. Ruben that was like Clay. Such, a, such a deadly contest between those two because they were so tight. And it's funny because Clay Aiken, I I kind of had a, I guess, a better career. They're both equal a little bit, but Ruben Stutter didn't really blow up, I think, like uh like they were hoping because 
you have what Kelly Clarkson won. She's obviously huge still. And then um, Carrie Underwood, those are like the two biggest, I would mm-hmm. think. Justin Guarini, a close third. <laughs> yeah, he didn't win. So, hey, yeah. he's he's the the voice of Dr Pepper now. So he's, he's a little sweet. Okay. He, he, yeah. does a, he does a nice <laughs> job. I, I actually enjoy those commercials. Um, Me too. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you so much uh, again for doing this. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, this is a lot of fun, and I, like I said at the beginning, um, I probably even before we started recording, this is just just people talking. You know, it, it's just good to to have conversations. You guys do a trivia show. I have a trivia show. So, you know, it's always asking questions and answering questions and, you know, thinking critically. And and this is more just, we get a chance to reminisce. We get a chance to be nostalgic and kind of just harken back to hopefully when times were a little bit simpler and, you know, maybe a little bit uh, easier to enjoy and, and less stressful. So I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time out to go down memory lane with me. Yeah we, yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell people where to find our show? I guess if they aren't, don't already know. Yep, you could go into any of your uh, podcatchers, as they're called these days, any of your podcasting apps, uh, search Triviality Podcast, or you can go to trivialitypodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram, or TikTok, probably. Are we, do we have a TikTok yet? Not yet. I, no? I, maybe we should, but no. I, I feel like I don't know. I maybe maybe we should. We'll be doing the silhouette challenge later this week on TikTok. <laughs> Great reference. Yes, that's true. Uh, and then some Megan uh, the Stallion dances as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for having us, Scott. That was uh, a ton of fun. And like you said, it's nice not to have to answer trivia questions or uh, ask trivia questions. Uh, so it was a nice break from that. Yeah, I apologize for that last one, then asking about the idol winner. Uh, and for not <laughs> referencing anything after 2003, like Ruben stuttered, we are sorry for 2004. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, as soon as you guys do get that TikTok page up, let me know and we will do a, um, a spoof of the Dear uh, Sister SNL skit from the OC. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, recreate that ourselves so uh that definitely thanks again guys for coming on uh that's it for me everyone i want to give a huge shout out to uh justin nozick for creating the catchy theme song thank you for listening and remember that people don't forget